You know, let me ask the, let me ask the question. As we talk about happiness, you know, there's, not a, there's a reason we're doing this. You know, as I spend time with people, um, happiness is something that sometimes we can struggle with, isn't it? I mean, really, it, it is. It's, happiness is one of those things, and, and I don't want to get caught up in the dynamics of happiness versus joy today. So let's just sort of put all that to rest, and let's, let's just bottle it up in, inside of the issue of, or the feeling of, of happiness, or the emotion of happiness, or the, the contentment of happiness. Let's just talk about that for a second. But if you, if you were to define happiness, how would, how would you define it? But before you define happiness, let me tell you what um, one definition of happiness is, okay? So this is one definition of happiness. A sense of well-being, feeling that comes when you know that life is good, is the opposite of sadness. So I'm gonna, let, me, let me just sort of get a little bit of feedback from you for a sec, second. Happiness is joy. Okay, happiness is joy. What else? Happiness is contentment. Happiness is peace. Somebody said peace. Like raise your hand, then it's a whole lot easier. Happiness is, yes, peace. Happiness is, Miss Diane? Whatever is happening right now that's good. Okay, all right. What else? Yes. Smelling the roses. Okay. All right, Mr. Bill. Joy. What's happiness? Yes. Trusting God. Yes. Health. Ooh, health. I'm, nobody said money in the bank yet. <laughs> Allison? Family. You know, we're dealing with the, this issue of happiness because, believe it or not, that's something I think that we struggle with. I, I think we struggle with contentment, and I think we, we wrestle with discontentment all the time. And, and I know that I do. Maybe I'm just different. Maybe, maybe the, the, the wrestling and the struggling is just me. Maybe, maybe you have it all together. Maybe you never have any issues, Jason. Maybe you never struggle at all. Maybe, maybe there's no wrestling that takes place in, in, your, in your life, but the reality is it does, doesn't it? Because we live in a society that would love to convince you that you need more than what you have, that what you have isn't enough. Right? Yeah, I think that's very, very true. I mean, but think of all the things and all the, think of all the money wasted and all the time that you've, that you've spent over the years on money or sports or looks or uh, vehicles or houses, only at the end of the line to figure out, sometimes it's the next day that that purchase just doesn't satisfy, does it? It doesn't take long for that newness. You know, there's some people that go from, from relationship to relationship to relationship because they're looking for something that they're not going to find in that relationship. The common denominator is an unsettledness within their own lives, and yet they think it's always somebody else's problem, somebody else's issue. Maybe to start off with today, let me give you a phrase that would help you, that happiness is more about a who than a what. Think about that just for a second. Happiness is more about a who than a what. Won't you say that with me? Happiness is more about a who than a what. Let me give you a for instance. Um, I'm not going to pick on Carson and Caleb right now, but 
uh, I will pick on my own three kids. We're, we're, in a, we're in the vehicle the other day, and they were talking about an event. They were talking about something that's coming up. And you would think they would be so excited about this event as they discussed amongst themselves. But you know the only thing that they really wanted to know? Who was going? We got to laughing last night at the car between Bill and I are sitting in the front seat. You can't keep Caleb and, and Carson from, they're just talking. Da, 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 da. And it was all about the who instead of the what. And you, we laugh at kids and we go, oh, well, that's just you know, children. You know, but we do that all the time. How many times have you rearranged your schedule because somebody was going to be someplace that you didn't even want to be? <laughs> I mean, let's think about it. How many times have you rearranged your schedule or, or what the priorities in life because there was going to be somebody at some place and you didn't really care too much about the event, but you just wanted to spend time with them? How many invitations have you declined with things that you wanted to do, but the right people just weren't going to be there? That sort of hits home, doesn't it? And think about it from this way. If happiness was about a what, it would, it would seem logical that if you could acquire enough what, then you would just be set for life. But if you're smart enough and you're old enough and wise enough, you've come to learn that it doesn't take long for the what to wear off or to wear out. Anybody bought any new iPhones this past week or Samsung phones because the, other, the newest one just come out and then now what was the past just didn't satisfy? It wasn't good enough? When's the last time we've made another purchase in life because, because you just become discontented with what you had? Because what you had just wasn't enough. How many of us at the point of life have come to recognize that over time that an aging what happens to dictate happiness you probably weren't happy to begin with? It's just the way it is. Then again, in reference to what, I mean, you see the people up on the screens from Nicaragua. Do you think that they had a lot of resources or a little bit of resources? But did you see the smiles on their faces? This young man right here was about 13, 14 hours from civilization when I met him down the river, the Bacay River in Nicaragua. Resources, the only clothes that he had was some that they dropped from a helicopter. That's all the clothes that he had. This little girl right here, her and her mom, I see them all the time when, I'm, when I go up to the training center um, outside of Nikki Nomo. This little family here is, have very, very little resources at all. The clothes they have are the ones that have been given to them. You see the shoes. These fellows here, these were also about 14. These are, these are some of the, the Indians that we met way, way, way. But you see the smiles on their faces? It's not dictated by the, the what, is it? Hmm. So happiness is more about a, a who than a what. Happiness is more about a, a who and a, than a what. And this is maybe personal, but let me, let me say this right here. Near the, end of life, near the end of life, I've never heard too many people talk about what they wish they would have done in reference to job, money, acquisitions, and such. But usually it's tied to relational regrets, things in life that they wish they could go back and do not things in reference to people, not things that they wish they could go back and do in reference to the purchases of things. 
That's just the truth. I mean, I was just dealing with somebody the other day that gotten some bad news. Not a word was said about possessions. All the words were talked about that we discussed were all about relational regrets. But then there are those people that say, you know, I really don't need who in my life. I'm just fine by myself. You ever met somebody like that? I don't really need a bunch of who's in my life. And they'll isolate themselves. Well, my, my comment to that would be, number one, you've probably been surrounded for so long by so many people, you just don't understand what it's like to be isolated. Or, second of all, you've isolated yourself to the, to the point that you've just convinced yourself that you don't need people. But we all know that's a lie, don't we? We need people. We need people that are around us, that are surrounding us, that are encouraging us. And I mean, it's, it's such a dangerous position to live in isolation because God didn't create us that way, did he? He didn't create us to live in isolation just by ourselves. But how many of us live in isolation because of the fears of community and what it brings? And so we live in this unhealthy cycle of life and never experiencing some of the joys and happiness that comes with living in community. That may be some of the reasons that some of you just want, don't want to be a part of a small group community. You're just satisfied by yourself. You've convinced yourself that you and your spouse or you are just enough. You don't need anybody else. So that's a life in the pits of hell. That's where it is. That's exactly where it comes from. And also it robs us from companionship, accountability, support, and encouragement. But one of the things I want you to hear up front is this. No thing makes you happy. No thing will make you happy. I'm going to go down a road today that's going to take us down a path. And if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. Because I'm going to look at something that Jesus says in his teaching as he was asked a question. But before I get to that place, I just want to tell you that, that um, I could really sum up our time, happiness is, and us walk right out the door. But I think there's some other things that we need to do prior to, to finishing up and summarizing everything. But let me say this right here. Talking about happiness, there's probably one thing that every person experiences that is, hap that is happy. That if we were to take the common denominator of people that are happy, there's one thing that they experience. And you know what that thing is? Somebody said it here this morning. Happiness is peace peace happiness is is peace that even though everything on the outside may may just be swirling around and the winds may be blowing and stuff may be happening and even though all that's taking place there's a sense there's a sense of peace peace with oneself peace with one's self and it's not a result of being married or not being married or having kids or, or not having kids or money in the bank. But there seems to be, seems, seems to be a, uh, in, that, in the person, in their life, there seems, seems to be some peace. Um, and there seems to be a, a lack of, of not worry. They're, you're not worried about much. But there's peace. And maybe that peace comes because they're, they're content with who they are. And maybe the peace comes because they're not trying to prove something to somebody else. There's not a sense of restlessness in their lives. Have you ever experienced that felt as if you've got to prove yourself to, to somebody? I mean, hello? Yeah. But maybe there's peace inside of the life of this person because they're not trying to 
to prove and they're not trying to pretend and they're not trying to impress others but they're just at peace but but happiness is also maybe being at peace with other other people peace with other people and, and what I'm trying to, to say this is that that person isn't spending their time trying to get back at somebody else that has wronged them you ever experienced a lack of peace in your own life how many times is it a result of a broken relationship or maybe something's happened to you and you're spending all your time trying to figure out how you're going to try to get them back or how you're going to try to hurt somebody? You ever seen an unsettled person or a bitter person? And if you were to know their story, you would go, I don't know how in the world they can't spend their time trying to get them back because of what they did. I mean, I can't believe he did that to her. I can't believe she did that to him. I can't believe that they cheated them like that. I mean, how in the world can they live? But there's a sense... There's a sense of peace because they've learned to forgive and move on in spite of what's taken place. But at the center of all of that is there's peace with God. Peace with God. They've come to the place of recognizing that there's more to this life than this life. And there's a confident boldness that regardless of what takes place, that God is in control that he's got the reins and he's sitting in the driver's seat and that he's got the steering wheel. And as regardless of how out of control things might seem, they are at peace. And so I think maybe we could say this, so peace is the common denominator in all of those relationships to there being happiness. So if that's true, then maybe this statement here is true, that anything that undermines our peace undermines our happiness think about that say that with me anything that undermines our peace will ultimately underline our happiness say that with me one more time anything that undermines our peace will ultimately undermine our our happiness anybody in here ever make dumb decisions How many of us in here have made dumb decisions even when you knew it was a dumb decision? And how many of those are decisions that we look back and we have regrets on and because of that there's that unsettledness within our lives? And we talk about that because, and here's a statement for those of us that are followers of Christ, and this is so true that we need to recognize that peace with God paves. It paves the way to peace with ourselves and also equips us to be at peace with others. Peace with God paves the way for there to be peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with other people. In other words, peace with God is the starting point that opens the door to happiness if you really want to know the truth. If you're looking for happiness, if we were to boil it all down, it comes back to being at peace with God is the true key to happiness. Well, Jesus somewhat addresses this in Matthew chapter 22. He's asked a question, and we want to look at that very briefly as we finish up in just a little bit with a couple of things about uh, that, that sort of surround this subject. But I think if we were to look at this through the eyes of, of happiness and, and look at it through the eyes of what we're discussing, we'll see that Jesus himself talks specifically about this. And this is how it's recorded in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 and following. It says, one of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him, Jesus, with this question. 
Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must what? You must, you must love, love the Lord God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Well, that doesn't sound really commandment-like. It sounds really relational-like, you know. And he says, so you must love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then he, um, and then he goes on, and, and if you think of it in relationship to relationships, I think maybe this is what Jesus is saying. Since God loves you, maybe in turn you need to turn around and love God. Since, since God loves you, I want you to love God back. Since God wants to be at peace with you, then maybe you need to be at peace with God. But Jesus said to break it all down, if you really want to know the truth, the most important commandment is this, to love God. To love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. In other words, with the totality of who you are. But he just didn't stop there because he comes back. I mean, they were only asking one. I mean, just give us one. What's the most important? But Jesus said, no, listen, there's not just one important. They all sort of go together. Love God. And then look at what he says in verse 38. And this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally, equally important. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love God, love others, and yourself as yourself. And what Jesus is actually saying here is that happiness is peace with God, peace with others, as well as peace, and peace with yourself. What's most important? Love. Love God. Be at peace with Him. Love your neighbor. Be at peace with them. And love yourself, which means when you love yourself, you're at peace with yourself. Because you're at peace with God. What it sounds like, really, if you look at it through the eyes of happiness, that Jesus is saying, listen, you want to be happy? Let me define it for you. Let me summarize it all down. Happiness is peace with God. Now, for those of us that are in this room that are unsettled today, how does that sort of apply to your life? Why are you unsettled? Why are you so unsettled? See, when I was young growing up in the church, you would think that a commandment that Jesus would give in reference to, to something, when he would talk about the do's and the don'ts, it seemed like God was there to take me away from my happiness, to remove the happiness from me, that if I couldn't be a Christian and be happy, right? You ever heard that? I mean, how in the world can I do the things that God would want me to do and be happy? I mean, there's all this other stuff that's out there. I can't follow God and be happy. Hello? Yes. Yes, you can. It would seem impossible, but it's not impossible. Matter of fact, it's very, very doable. I mean, how can I be a, a good church person and still be happy? But happiness is about all that other stuff. It's peace with God. It's peace with God. And what Jesus is saying is that love for God paves the way to happiness, which means this right here. To resist God means to resist happiness. So the next time you're struggling and you're wrestling, Ask yourself the question, am I at peace with God? If not, why am I not at peace with God? Is it because you're not getting what you want? You're wanting. Let me tell you one of the reasons we struggle so much, and we hate this word. Man, we hate this word. We don't like it. It's a small world, but it has big consequences. It's three letters. You know what it is? Sin. 
S-I-N, sin. Such a small world, but a word, but has such huge consequences. And if we were to define sin, we could define it and say that it's missing the mark. But let's just say that we were to throw that out the door just for a second. And let's say that we were to come up with some type of an abstract definition of sin. Maybe something along this line. It's what you think that other people shouldn't do or what you shouldn't do, but sometimes do anyway. I mean, think about that. It's what you think that other people shouldn't do, what you, what you think you shouldn't do, but you, in, but you sometimes do it anyway. I mean, how many of us have standards for other people, and yet we can't even keep those standards? How many of us try to hold our kids to a certain standard when we as adults can't even keep those standards? Clean your room. <laughs> Don't do... How many times do we spend time holding other people to standards that we ourselves can't even keep? That's probably happened somewhere in your life this past week. But regardless of the definition that you give, this is what we know. That sin separates. Sin separates. Sin separates. Regardless of what you want to say about sin, this is what we know. The end result is that sin separates. And this is, you might want to write these down. Sin separates you from other people. Think back to the last relational conflict that you had, and it was probably somebody else's fault, wasn't it? Sometimes it's hard to look internally and say, God, where, where is, the, is the fault within me? But from your perspective, it was probably because somebody sinned against you. The conflict was never because of something that you did for, towards that other person. I mean, think about divorce, loss of job, financial issues. I mean, we're, we're really good about blaming stuff on other people and, and failing to see the sin in our own lives, aren't we? Yeah. But sin separates. Sin separates us from our relationship with others. And anytime sin begins to enter into a relationship, what happens is it begins to erode, erode that relationship, eventually destroying that relationship. I mean, here, a relationship that maybe used to be very, very strong, once sin enters in, sin begins to separate, and eventually sin leads to death. That's what happens. Sin also separates us from God. I love this passage that we find in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59 too. But your iniquities or sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Have you ever thought of it from this perspective that when you're at odds with another person that you're at odds with God? See, we think we can separate the two. I can be at odds with another person and be in conflict with them, but me and God are tight, baby. Let me tell you, you want to go to a prayer meeting with me? We fail to recognize that so many times in life. Fail to recognize that. I mean, how is it that I can, can't be, okay, I can be okay with God but not be okay with somebody else? It just doesn't work that way because our vertical relationship with God affects the relationships horizontally that we have here on this earth. There's no way that you can, and think of it from this perspective. I mean, if you were to mistreat Meredith or mistreat the kids, it would, it would, it would affect me, it would bother me. Do you not think that our Heavenly Father is bothered when there are broken relationships here on this earth? Very much so. I mean, if you go back and you look at one of the core teachings of Scripture, one of the core, core passages of scriptures in reference to our belief 
John 3.16, for God so loved who? Just good people. No. Doesn't say that. Well, maybe it, maybe it says a Presbyterian. God just learned, just love Presbyterians or, or Methodist or Baptist or Catholic or Assembly of God. Didn't say that. But for God so loved the world. And when we're at odds and we're struggling with other people, in essence, we are struggling with God. Because sin separates. But sin also separates some, us from ourselves. See, there's some of us in this room that could fill in the blank. If, if I ever blank, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And if I were to, I just wouldn't be able to live with myself. And so we come to understand that sin not only erodes us in our, our relationship with others, it erodes our relationship with God, but it also erodes and destroys our relationship with ourselves. And if we don't have peace with God, it makes very much sense that we're not going to be at peace with other people. And happiness is going to be missing. But sin not only separates, but it also, it also does this. It also separates by substituting. Here's a couple of thoughts for you. Sin separates by substituting pleasure for fulfillment. Let me say that again. Sin separates by substituting pleasure for fulfillment. By substituting things for people and images for intimacy. Let me tell you what sin does is it, it makes promises that it can't keep. It's exactly what it does. And at the end of the day, sin kills, steals, and destroys. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, had, a, had something that maybe I think he can add to this conversation. In James chapter 1, so if you want to flip over in the New Testament just a little bit further... Uh, right after the book of Hebrews, I want to read this passage from James, the brother of Jesus, who in talking about trials and tribulations had this to say, and we're going to sort of pick it up in the middle in James chapter 1, verse 15. But this is what he said, and this is very interesting when it comes to sin, and listen to what James has to say, because I want you to look at sin as a progression. When you think about separation, and when you think about relationships, and you think about being a substitution, I want you to think about uh, sin from this perspective. Look at what he says in James chapter 1, Verse 15, these desires, okay, what desires? Evil desires is what he's talking. We're coming into the middle of the conversation. These desires give birth to sinful actions. These evil desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And he's saying that after evil desires, after evil desires, and we, guys, what are the evil desires of life? What are they? List some of them. The guys are quiet. What are some of the evils of desires of life? Lust, greed. I mean, come on, guys. Gluttony. Let's get them all out there. Selfishness, pride. Any more? Who? Envy, jealousy. I mean, man, this, this list goes on and on and on. The evil desires. And he says, after, after evil desires, he says, give birth, they give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, and I want you to think about that, here it is, an evil desire, and then it gives birth to actions, and it grows, and it grows. Man, she might have been pretty to start off with, by the time it gets done with, she's a monster. 
Are you with me? I mean, what may start from this perspective, all of a sudden, what sin does is it separates, it grows, it gets bigger, it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and all of a sudden it's a monster and you can't contain it. It's beyond your control. It gets out of whack. It gets outside the boundaries. It gets stronger and bigger, and it gets more pronounced. And here's a baby little sin over here, and this is a real big sin because it grows. It doesn't stay that way. Because we give it over and, and we, we feed it and we cuddle it. <clears throat> we water it. And it gets bigger and bigger. I mean, how many times have we said only one time? You ever done that? Just once. Won't hurt. And then one turns into a second time. And then a third time. You know, I'll only, I'll only take a little bit of money this time. I'll only steal from the, from the kitty this time. You know, maybe I'll, I'll just have one, one. I'll just have one, just maybe one night stand. Nobody will know it. I'll never heard. I'm out of town. Somebody was in, a friend of mine was in New Orleans this past week, and in our conversation, they said, well, I'm in New Orleans. I said, I just want you to make sure you understand you're not in Las Vegas because what happens in New Orleans makes it back to the city of Fruitland Park. But how many times do we go into life thinking nobody will know? It just one, it doesn't matter. Just one little look, one little peek. Nobody will know. But all of a sudden, it grows. And it's like James is saying, listen, I want to warn you that when sin becomes part of a relationship, it doesn't take long for ultimately for that relationship to be destroyed. Think about it in relationship to God and think about that in relationship to to others and think about that in relationship to yourself and when you're not at peace with others you can't be at peace with God and you can't be at peace with yourself because sin separates and it destroys but sin she'll throw some good substitutions in there pleasure images things this is what I want you to hear, and this is sort of the basis of everything, that happiness isn't tied to a who, but it's tied to a what. And that what is our Heavenly Father. Happiness, if it's tied to a what, eventually you'll have to have another what. Because that what will wear out or wear off. But when happiness is tied to Jesus, it'll never fade never fade so if we're going to try to connect the dots today as we start off this series i want to connect the dots with a couple of statements that we've made already um first of all i want you to remember that nothing no thing makes us happy i want you to remember that then i want you to remember this since happiness is more about a who than a what okay we've talked about it's more about a who than a what since happy people are at peace with themselves with others and with god since sin always undermines peace by separating and substituting, and since Jesus valued and prioritized peace with God, others, and ourselves, he told us to remember the commandment to love God, to love others as ourselves, then this is sort of the summation. Happiness is peace with God that paves the way for us to be with um, peace with ourselves 
and also equips us to live at peace with others. Just want you to remember that. Got it up on the board for you to read. It's a good thing to read. Why don't we read it out loud? Happiness is peace with God that equips us to live at peace with others as well as ourselves. So what if you're not happy today? What if you're really wrestling? What if you're really struggling with something? What if you're struggling in your relationship with God? What if you're struggling in your relationship with somebody else? What if you're struggling internally with inside of yourself? Where do you turn? Where do you turn? Humanly, we can turn to stuff. Humanly, we can turn to alternatives. But in the end run, those always fail. And what we've learned today, if you truly desire, desire happiness, happiness begins with peace with God. Peace with God. So if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe it'd be a great day to say, maybe I need to make peace with God. If you're a follower of Christ, but struggling, maybe you need to go back and ask yourselves, why am I struggling? I love that passage a little bit later in, in James. He says this in relationship to other people. He says, why is there quarrels among us? Is it not because of our own selfish desires? You know, guys, honestly and truthfully, in the midst of a conflict, if I'll go back and check myself, most of the time there's a conflict because I'm not getting what I want. True? Meredith's not giving me what I want. I think something ought to be happening that's not happening. You know, a relationship with somebody else, or maybe it's my relationship with God. I'm, something's not clicking here because, God, why are you continuing to sidestep me when I feel like I'm due? Are you with me? Yeah. No. Happiness begins with peace with God. So I guess maybe the really big question is this. If you're not happy, you can stay that way. I mean, if you want to, be bitter and angry. I see people like that all the time. I saw somebody like that this past week. Angry, nasty, bitter. I want to stop them and say, man, listen, what's done? Got all of them in your milkshake. <laughs> Tough. Don't nobody say anything about Meredith. <laughs> Guess who's in the back, Meredith? Prince is in the back. She can't see him. You'll see him in a minute when he stands up. He's tall. He's in the back. But what is it that's keeping your you from happiness? There's only one thing according to the scripture. Lack of peace with God. Lack of peace with God. If you're in conflict with somebody else, if you're in conflict with inside of yourself, if you're in conflict with God, happiness begins with peace with God. And peace with God begins when you come to the place to say, God, even in this, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lay it at your feet because I believe you're in control. When that wrestling happens and that business deal's not working out the way that you think it should work, God, I know you've got a greater plan. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it with you. When that relationship with, it seems to be off the, off the charts and man, things you just seems to be at each other's necks, God, I'm going to, I'm going to, God, I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to do what your word has to say and I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to submit myself to you and I'm going to make myself as a servant. And there's a peace that seems to happen 
See, if you're at a conflict in your job place, maybe the best thing you can do is say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what so many people struggle these days is because they've learned, they've, they don't understand how to say yes, sir, and submit. To humble themselves and say, if that's what you desire for me to do, as long as it's not morally incorrect, or if it's not right, if that's what you're asking of me, I'll do it. If you want me to clean toilets, I'll do it. I don't have a problem cleaning toilets. You want to know where the wrestling comes from? It's a lack of peace. Lack of peace because there's a lack of relationship with God. So, some homework for you next week. We're going to try to cram some things in really quickly. I want you to go back and I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5 or you can look at Luke chapter 6. We're going to talk about the Beatitudes next week. Blessed is, blessed are, happiness is. So if you want to sort of do some homework to sort of move ahead of everybody else and, and be cheaters next week and have already done your stuff, go back and read those because we're going to see what, what Jesus had to say about happiness as we continue in this series. But the most important thing in the summary is this. Peace with God paves the way for you to be at peace with yourself and equips you to be at peace with others. That's a big deal. The bottom line, God is peace. If you don't have it, why not turn to him today? Let me pray with you. Father, what a blessed day it is. This is what I know because of the things that I wrestle with in my own life. That, Father, it's really easy to get off base. It's really easy to get to moving in the wrong direction. And, and Father, to, to look at things instead of to you for my source of strength and happiness. I pray today we've not missed the point. The point being that you are our source of happiness. You are our source of peace. That when we come to that place of recognizing and giving you control, that we can take a breath and just say, oh, some of us need that today. For those of us that are believers in this room and wrestling with a, a relationship, help us to submit ourselves to listen to what God's Word has to say and not just hear it, but obey it. For those of us that may be wrestling in our relationship with you, with you this morning, Father, I pray that even this morning we would humble ourselves, that we would seek your face, and God, we would say, I trust you. Father, as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, remind us that we have the opportunity to bring hope into the world in which we live. Father, you've not called us to bring out conflict, but you've called us to bring hope. Help us to be willing to stand in the gap, to be reminded that Jesus came in to seek and to save those that were lost, not those that were well and didn't need a doctor. Help us to be on the lookout for those that are struggling, those that are weak, those that are dealing with issues in life. And Father, I pray that we would be able to offer them the gospel, the truth, that Jesus Christ loved us, that he bore the marks of pain and suffering for our sin, that he was crucified on a cross, that he was buried, but three days later he, ar he arose. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within us to help us recognize and to submit ourselves that we, we can be at peace with you. Pray for us, Lord, that we'll be your instruments as we leave this place. And Lord, even now I'm praying for the teams that'll be going to Nicaragua this, this fall. 
I'm praying that you're going to put the exact team together, that it'll be maybe even some different people that have never gone in the past but are willing to extend themselves and stretch themselves to a place of saying, I'm, I'm, I'm willing and I'm able. Father, I'm praying for the unknown things that are going on in the side of our family that we have no clue about. I'm just thinking just, just right now about Heather's dad and the struggle that he's having in the hospital. Father, I'm praying for Barry today, and I'm, I'm asking for strength and mercy. I'm praying for Lisa this morning as we, we continue to struggle with, with her and Jim, with what's happening physically with her. And so, Father, I'm praying for, for Lisa Frazier. Father, I'm, I'm, I'm just so thankful for this body of believers in the community that we have, that we recognize that we can't do life alone, but we need each other. Father, would you now take us from this place, and may we recognize that we are your ambassadors. And may we seek to live at peace with you. Because in that place, in that place, we'll not only find peace with God, but we'll discover peace with ourselves as well as others. In Jesus' name, amen.